Hey everyone, it's Michelle. And Brayden. And this is Spooky Shit. So this week we're going to be talking about unidentified serial killers. I'm going to start out by talking about the Freeway Phantom. And I am going to talk about the I-70 Strangler. Warning. This episode may contain graphic details. Listener discretion is advised. All right. First things first. Brayden, why does that sound familiar? Because <laughs> I've used <laughs> it before. <laughs> okay. So the thing is, everyone, behind the scenes, I found out that <laughs> maybe I shouldn't have posted this tourney because <laughs> someone might have already decided on a name. So we're going to do a rundown of the tourney and go through these names and see if Brayden's like it or like what what the fuck's happening <laughs> okay so i'm just gonna tell you i'm just gonna say some names tell me what you're thinking adrian okay. and aiden mm. i like aiden more aiden or alejo aiden Ooh, all right aiden because it rhymes with brayden yeah. <laughs> no. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I've always really liked that name. That okay. we actually actually we used well Alaris and I, I we always said if we had two kids it'd be at Aiden and Adeline. You know, I think that you told me Aiden before that that was like your Animal Crossing Villagers name because you were trying yeah. out that name. Oh shit, sure, how funny. <laughs> so I do like that name, but then I kinda rather keep it for my son. Okay, true. So, so we'll see. Kane or Kai? Hmm. I like Kai. We didn't test out either of these names if none of them <laughs> sound familiar to you. There's going to be quite a few of these names that we didn't get to. Kai or Aiden? Aiden. Damn. And you already kind of said you're not going to choose Aiden because you're concerned. <laughs> I just need to fill out this tourney. Like, I need to see it filled out. So I'm sorry. And maybe there's a chance I'm going to say an and be like, oh my god, Brayden's not the winner. We'll see. So, Carter or Anakin? Mm, Carter. Dang. You practice Anakin? You didn't even practice Carter. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, my mom <laughs> called me that because she actually really liked that name. Oh, okay. But I mean, it was only like once or twice, but meh. Alright, well, Carter or Ezra? Ezra. Can you imagine if it would have been this fast whenever we first started this? <laughs> we should have. You should have just done this where I don't really think about it too much, you know? That that was my problem. Dang, we're I would... stupid. Why did we do that? <laughs> that was my problem. I would just like sit and look at the long ass <laughs> list that I created and like think about it too much. Oh my God. We're like fools. <laughs> like I literally would try to find a reason not to like it. <laughs> And then all we really had to do is just compare it to other names. And you'd be like, oh, yeah, easy. Yeah. <laughs> That's fucking funny. Ugh. All right. Well, Josiah or Elliot? Mm, Elliot. Okay, Elliot Page. <laughs> <laughs> Elliot or my favorite Milo? Milo. Hell yeah. Milo coming in. Milo or Ezra? Milo. Damn, Milo, Eminem podcast. What? Spooky M&M's. Spooky M&M's. <laughs> Could be. We'll see. We'll see. Maybe my little one. Asher and Elijah. Asher. Yeah. So uh, if you don't follow our Instagram, so far the only 
two that we'd gone through was Elijah or Sam and Elijah one. And now, I mean, you can hear we've just done like 10 names knocked out already. Also, shout out to Sam. Sammy. To offend you. Yes. Sorry, Sam. I personally, for myself, it just didn't fit. But you have a beautiful name. <laughs> yeah, I have a friend named Sammy that commented and was like, dang, mine's the first name taken out. <laughs> Sorry, Sammy. <laughs> All right. Emiliano or Arlo? Arlo. I really like Arlo, too. Arlo or Asher? Hmm. I think Arlo. Arlo is mm-hmm. up there. Okay. All right. Brayden or Bryant? <laughs> Brayden. <laughs> this is when you realize, oh my god, I like Bryant more. <laughs> Leandro or Brayden? Brayden. I was already typing Brayden. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you introduced yourself as Brayden this week. It's got to at least I make know. it to the finals. <laughs> yes. Spencer or Dean? Dean. All right, Dean or Brayden? <laughs> Did you answer? It was that no, silent. No, I didn't. It was just silence. <laughs> I was like, it glitched at the worst time. What happened? <laughs> I'm making you wait. Okay, drum roll, please. Brayden. <laughs> you know, it would have been fucking hilarious if you're like, wait, Dean. <laughs> okay, Aiden or Milo. Milo. Hell yeah. Eminem coming in in the finals. Our lower Brayden. Remember, you were not allowed to change your name after this. This tourney is life oh or my death. God. <laughs> no changes. <laughs> Let's no just edits. end it right there then. <laughs> do you want to? <laughs> or do you want to choose between Arlo and Brayden? It's That's not really hard, life or I, death. I actually, you can change your name later if you want. I actually really like both. What are I the can, other two? Um, there isn't one. It's just down to Milo on the other side. Oh, we are in the uh, semifinals right now. So if you want me to save it, that's fine. <laughs> Bro, we just knocked out like eighteen names. Damn, I can save it. You don't actually have to choose right now. And if you do choose, you're allowed to change it. I'll allow that. Oh, you'll allow it. Thank I'll allow so it. Much. Yeah, I'm a gracious. I mean, uh, those are. <laughs> like the top three so far uh, okay. the other ones like i kind of like, like the longer i look at it i'm like nah, i don't really like them you know okay the fact that you um, said so far watch you introduce a new name next week i have to edit the entire <laughs> bracket nah nah <laughs> um okay. i definitely really like brayden and actually i don't remember if i said last time my <laughs> sisters and my mom actually have all been calling me brayden I don't. I don't remember you saying your sisters. I remember you saying Alaris and your mom. Yeah. Oh well, my sisters too. They both are calling me Brayden now. Damn. And my brother, he still hasn't really grasped it all. He mm-hmm. kind of doesn't really understand it, so he does like still call me Brandy or like his sister. Oh. <laughs> he he's kind of getting used to it. He'll like, catch on. He'll he'll kind of be like. Oh, I love, like, I don't know. I can't really think of an exact thing he'll say, but he'll be like, oh, like, you're like my favorite sister or brother or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> he's almost there. He's almost there. Yeah. <laughs> he, he's better because before he um, actually was kind of 
kind of mean and was like, really? no, you're, you're always be my sister and shit like that. Was it just because he was like so surprised or something? No, he's, I mean, he's, like I've said before, he's autistic and does mm-hmm. have like, he's slower. Yeah. To, just doesn't, he, it's hard for him to grasp certain things or like understand them. So yeah. I didn't. I tried not to take it personally because, like, I knew he didn't mean it like that. It's not it's against just, you or anything. He yeah. just doesn't really get it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, but he's kind of getting used to it. Like he's still a little messes up sometimes. Yeah, but for the most part, like he is trying. Like he's like calling me. Like he called me Brayden too. And he's Aww. like whatever. You're just gonna confuse him now if you choose my lord. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I actually like. I do like Arlo, but I don't know how I would feel about it. Like, I, I kind of think it's a really nice name, but then mm-hmm. I don't know for myself, you know? Okay. Should I should I just choose Raiden <laughs> as the winner here or, like, leave them both? I mean, I guess you might as well. Might I actually... Well leave them? No, like, might as well <gasps> choose Raiden. Damn, we are into the finale right now. <laughs> it is Milo versus Raiden. Why not both? Why not both? Milo Brayden. Brayden Milo. Eminem spooky shit. <laughs> <laughs> what part I of that mean, did you not understand? I mean, I was talking to... I called my grandma for her birthday. And like she asked me to. She was like, have you chosen a name? or like, And I was like, I don't know. I was like, everyone's calling me Brayden right now. I was like, <laughs> but I really like the name Milo. Yeah. And she was like, oh, I really like that name. She was like, I'm going to call you that. Oh. And so I was like kind of like my brother, he says, because I've said like I've been telling them that I was like thinking of like giving myself a middle name too. Yeah. So that's why I'm kind of like Brayden Milo. Um, And they were like, my brother was like, oh, I like Milo because it's easier for me to say. And I was like, well, cool. And then he, I was he talking. He really said I paid him $20 for the Eminem thing. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but then, like, Alaris, we kind of talked about it because she has, like, you know, it's Alaris Valeria. Mm-hmm. And, like, some people call her Valeria and some people call her Alaris. So oh, really? She was like, yeah. Oh, I didn't know that. Like, all of her family members, like, basically all of them call her by her middle name. So weird. Even um her brother. Well, I'm... now he calls her Alaris more, but. I've never like, heard people going by their middle and first name. I've heard of people just going by their middle name, but never both. That's so yeah, interesting. I, mean, in, I feel like in Latino, like Latinos, it's kind of common. I'm very like my white, mom goes yes. by her. <laughs> yeah, uh, my mom goes by her middle name. Oh, you told me that. See, well, okay, I'm used to that, but not like if she went by her first name too, and just like different people call different things. But I guess it's kind of like how people call Robert Rob or Rob or Robbie, and I'm like, who the fuck is Robbie? I mean, she does go by her first name, like for, like when she goes to like stores and stuff. Oh, really? Like or the doctors? Like she's like, oh, Sophia. But I didn't even know her first name was Sophia. Weird. Yeah, it's (laughs) Sophia, and then her middle name is Adriana. Oh, so weird. I really like but, Adriana, though. <laughs> yeah. I have a... I know a few people. I have a yeah. good friend named Adriana. Is it your mom? <laughs> no, she's... <laughs> no. It's like a your besides mom joke. Besides my mom. Besides my mom. I have another a really good friend. really good friend. 
I mean, so I don't talk to her much, but I still consider her a good friend. Okay. But does this mean we got sidetracked? You're actually choosing Brayden Milo, or should we keep it on hold? I don't know. I think I have to make a decision, you know, no oh, more. Oh, right now? Right now on the podcast? I, I think so, because oh. like, I've been oh, okay. pushing this off. This is live, like, folks. This is happening live. Hap- it's happening. I decided it's Brayden Milo. Oh, motherfuck. Okay, we're doing it. Brayden Milo. Spelled Milo wrong. Hey, now you have two Ys. Yeah. You should change Padilla in your last name to put a Y in it. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the only thing that would, like, stop me is if my dad suggests his name. Because I asked him. He didn't have one, though, huh? Well, he hasn't responded to me. Taking his time. <laughs> <laughs> what if he sent back Braden Milo? That'd be kind of that'd be trippy. Wait, wait, wait. Better yet, what if he said Milo? <laughs> Would we change it? I can't call you by your middle name. I'm not used to that because then it'll just confuse myself. I have to choose one. <laughs> then choose one and just call me it. Brayden. Well, you can't introduce yourself as Brayden every episode. And I'm like, so Milo. <laughs> okay, then for the podcast, I'll, I'll be Milo. No, we're not going to do that. Your name's Brayden now. Well, it's both. You're ruining my life. That's oh, okay. Sorry. <laughs> also, let it be known that we were talking about names before we started. And I've like been doing so good all these names. And then once you're like, oh, I'm going to say Brayden, like, that's going to be my name for this episode. I fucked up and was like, oh, Brandon? And I was like, oh, no. Is this what life's going to be now? I was like, fuck no. <laughs> no offense to any Brandons out there. All the Brandons just, right now. Those are all who listen to us. <laughs> it's too close to my name. And you have a cousin, you said, yeah. right? Yeah. And I have a cousin named Brandon. And it was just already like confusing Sam enough. all over again. <laughs> okay. So you are Brayden. Whenever I, I went so. to whenever I went to save this image, I almost printed it. I don't even have a printer, but I clicked <laughs> it. I'm so excited I'm gonna hang it up on my wall. Ah, <laughs> uh, that's hilarious. So but I mean <laughs> Yeah, I mean ever since my mom and like them started calling me Brayden like everyone else is too, like Michelle. She... Wait a minute, me. I was like, What? <laughs> no, my, my best friend Mickey. All right, she rude. Also, I get it. I'm not your best friend. You're one of my best friends. Don't you act. Really just I see you. That. I see you every week, not in person, but I still see you. You and see inside my soul. <laughs> <laughs> She's been calling you it too, though. Mm-hmm. I've just been saying brand behind the scenes because obviously I'm the one that you're testing a million names out on, so I don't know which one to call you. Yeah, true. <laughs> um, All right, Brayden, but. Yeah, I don't know. It it really kind of grew on me since they've been calling me that. What if they'd chosen like a really dumb name? I'm not going to suggest any because I don't want to like offend anyone if I say their name. Then I would have been like, nah, not that one. It just grows on you having like a stupid ass name. I'm not, again, not going to suggest any. (laughs) Use your creative mind. Yep. Imagination. Use your imagination. There we go, folks. (laughs) Yeah. Cool. And this episode is not going to come out till a week and a half after we record it. So should I wait <laughs> to post it, I guess? Yeah, I guess you can. Yeah. I mean, no one will know that we are in the future going to be calling you Brayden. Well, okay. I'm just making it confusing. We'll just wait to post it till the episode's out. <laughs> or post it like the week before. 
Oh, I'll post it and then I'll blur out like the middle of it. There you go. A or I'll put like a or countdown. I don't know. Countdown to the review. A. It is kind of funny that you came out and then you started tea and then everyone's like, "Oh my gosh, I want to be respectful." Like I'm using he him pronouns. What's your name? And you're like, I don't fucking know. <laughs> yeah, that's that's kind of like another reason I kind of want to just choose one. And I mean, I do like it, so I'm like, fuck it, like let's do it. Just change your name in the future if you want. Who gives a shit? You're right. I can. But... I forgot that people could just change their names. And I saw someone on Twitter, <laughs> and they were like, my mom's changed her name three times just because she wanted to. <laughs> I'm like, oh, uh-huh. yeah. I like it though. Hey, Robert. It's Brayden. Confirmed. Hashtag confirmed. Brayden <laughs> wasn't his favorite. Oh, really? He never told me what his favorite was. What was your favorite name? It doesn't matter. Okay, well, this is Brayden. Right. I want to know. He said it doesn't matter. But I want to know. Brayden wants to know. What was your favorite? Um, I can't remember all 32 names, and it doesn't <laughs> There's only 21 names. He didn't have to put the attitude there. I'll harass him once we're all done recording. <laughs> <laughs> Damn, um, Robert. It's like that. <laughs> also the fact that I'm like it wasn't 32, it was 21. Like that's so far off. It was like 10 more. <laughs> I know, right? Okay. Um how have you been, Brayden? Um 20 minutes in. How are you? <laughs> I don't I've know if you good. have much more going on. I mean, yeah, you don't have to share much more if you don't want to. We've already made a big dent in this episode. I mean, I just, I got a haircut and I really like it. Oh my god, I was just trying to speak before we started recording. And every time I was talking, he was just sitting there like fixing his hair. And I'm like, are you even fucking listening to me? Yes, I was listening. I think once you didn't hear me and I had to be like, hello? <laughs> I, I was listening. You're very into your hair right now. And I'm I'll glad that you're feeling yourself. Like I, I do. Like, I've been feeling myself with this haircut. I'm going to have to I get like it, it again. Yeah. Oh, are you going to give yourself haircuts after you go to barber school? Probably. Ooh, saving money. Hell yeah. Make myself <laughs> nice. look fresh all the time. Hell yeah. You just need to learn how to do this exact one. It does look really nice. Thank you. Oh, I was going to say, I don't know if I'm tripping. I feel like your voice sounds a little deeper. But also, I don't know. (laughs) I mean, I don't know. I can't tell. I mean, your body's literally going through, like, puberty again, basically. So it could be. Basically. (laughs) I mean, usually, I don't think it happens. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's going to be. Oh, my gosh. You started on Halloween? No, you've done three. Mm -hmm. The 31st, the 7th, and the 14th. Yeah. It's almost a month. You're almost done with your first fucking month. Okay, the beard should be here in a matter of weeks. <laughs> gonna take longer than that. Before your voice um, even gets deep all the way, you just have a full beard. <laughs> imagine? That would be funny. But I haven't really noticed a change. Well, actually, I did notice when we went to we went to a Harry Styles concert. Oh yeah, on Monday, and I did notice because usually, like, I scream. I scream sing. Does that make sense? Oh, yeah. I heard your Snapchat story before that other <laughs> I know what you mean. Like, I sing, but, like, I'm you're yelling just, at the same time. You're just yelling at Harry Styles. <laughs> well, yeah. Well, like, usually I can hit, like, well, I mean, 
I'm not a singer or anything, but no, I can, you like, hit them like Mariah Carey. Yeah, like I can hit them really high notes, but I noticed at the concert, like I was trying to, but it actually like really hurt my throat. <gasps> oh and my I was God. like, <laughs> like it did us like hurt, and so I started singing like all low. Like, like, man, watermelon sugar. <laughs> no, like, dead ass. I started singing like that, and then I was like, okay, it doesn't hurt. And I was like, oh kind of sad. God. But I, that's the only thing that I kind of noticed that I can't, like, really try to hit those high notes anymore. Like, it hurts. This is the worst um, side effect of testosterone I've heard. You can't <laughs> hit high notes anymore at concerts. Um, I haven't noticed anything else major other than that, like, um, I just kind of have, like, more energy now oh really like that's so weird. weird i was not expecting that to be like a thing at all <laughs> i mean i don't know if it's a thing but i just like have noticed that like i can't really sleep in anymore like i don't know i just have like more energy right. it could just be that you're so relieved that you started it that you're yeah, naturally maybe going to wake the, up <laughs> the depression's going away <laughs> yeah but we'll just think the testosterone <laughs> <laughs> that's exciting but yeah that's kind of it nothing major yet at the time of this recording, your birthday will have been just a few days ago. You're right. Do you have plans yet? No. <laughs> I got your present. Oh, shit. And your Christmas present. Well, oh one's God. on the way. I don't know which one I'm going to give to you, which I'm just going to like, eeny, meeny, my emo. It doesn't matter. It's not like they're themed. So <laughs> I'm excited, though. I don't know when the fuck I'll give that to you. Maybe if someone wanted to go to the stupid Whaley house, I'd give it to you then. But I would whatever. say this weekend, but I have plans this weekend. <laughs> and it's not your birthday. I can't give you your present early. You're right. Wait, you're do we right. have to go on a weekend? You're not even working. Oh, you're right. I'm not working. We could go on like a Monday morning. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes I guess I forget. I don't work. <laughs> I know. I'm like, I like doing stuff on weekdays now. Like going to Disneyland, Robert will be like, oh, Saturday. And I'm like, why are we going to Saturday if we could go on a Monday when there's no one there? True. It's sick. It was the only good part about working retail before is I'd randomly have weekdays off. Yeah, nothing else going on. You just chose your name. Whatever. Yeah. Big whoop. (laughs) How are you? Oh, What you been up to? Finally, he asked. Uh Uh-huh. Nothing at all. (laughs) (laughs) I'll tell you about it. Tell me a whole story. No, I'm trying. I've been thinking this entire time. And I was like, I truly don't think I have anything going on. You went to Disneyland. I go to Disneyland like every other week at this point. Like It's no longer even impressive. It It was fun. Yeah. (laughs) Well, you're going next week. Yeah. Thanksgiving. Yeah. Are you excited? Yeah. They have like the um, all the Christmas foods in California Adventures. Some might look pretty good. Yeah, I'm, I'm really excited. I'm jealous that you'll be able to eat everything. We could only order one thing. It was really good though. Um, excuse my whiteness. <laughs> I'm I'm gonna feel so embarrassed. I made Robert order it. It was an arepa, arepa, arepa. That I got one of those. It was fucking really good the first bite was bland as shit and then the second bite there was like cheese in the middle and then i was like "Ooh, all right now this is good <laughs> but uh yes that's all i was able to eat there was like one other mexican dish that we didn't even see anywhere but i wanted desserts i want them to have vegan churros i'm just waiting <laughs> i think they'll get there i think they'll definitely get there but i think that they're gonna take an annoyingly long amount of time probably yeah but yeah you're gonna have a lot of fun there's so much 
so much happening and it's so cute for christmas we didn't stay till night though so we're gonna have to wait till next month to see it at night (laughs) (laughs) yeah i'm excited I know I truly had no updates on my life, so I can I could just jump into my story now if you're ready. All right. Just watch. In like 20 minutes, I'll remember something. <laughs> so this week, I'm going to be talking about the Freeway Phantom. And the Freeway Phantom was a serial killer who murdered at least six young black girls in Washington, D.C. from April of 1971 to September of 1972. And would like to do a big trigger warning for sexual assaults against kids specifically. Uh, not a good person, obviously. You couldn't guess. We're doing a serial killer episode. <laughs> <laughs> the first known victim of the Freeway Phantom was 13-year-old Carol Denise Spinks. Carol was known to be a shy 7th grader at a local junior high. She was one of eight children and actually an identical twin to Sister Carolyn. She loved to jump double Dutch rope, play jacks, like... <laughs> oh, <laughs> I'm like moving my hand. Table? Yeah, I'm moving my hand to be like 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 this. Like like the bouncy ball. Yeah, I don't which is it just called jacks? I think I just, so. Okay, I was like, I just wrote down jacks and I don't I mean I don't know. I don't it's a game that I never really understood how to play. You like bounce a ball and pick up little things that you dropped on the ground or something. <laughs> I was I never got it. <laughs> Me either. Uh, this was the seventies though, so I imagine they were doing this instead of playing like Animal Crossing. and she also enjoyed playing with hula hoops since like i said she was just 13 she was only five feet tall and weighed about 100 pounds on the night of april 15th 1971 carol had been convinced by her 24 year old sister valerie who lived across the hall to go get some tv dinners bread and she could like reward herself with a soda from the local 7-eleven i say she had to convince her because apparently it was like a rule set by their mom I think her name's Alentine. I forgot to look up people's names on this one. Sorry. But the rule was like the younger kids were not allowed to leave the house until she got back from visiting family. And they knew that if they disobeyed their mom and they were found out that they would get whipped with a belt. Like I said, it was the 70s. People did that shit. But Carol decided, eh, fuck it. I'm going to do it anyway. Sheesh. Yeah. What a 13 year old. The store was only four blocks away from home. But since she lived in the southeast quadrant of the city, the convenience store was across the border and technically in a totally different state, Maryland. What the fuck? It's so weird to me. I guess there's like tons of people, there must be, who are live on streets and just live like a block away from a different state. But it's weird to me. <laughs> yeah, that's weird to think about. Yeah. I mean, I guess that's people in like San Isidro and San Diego. They're like, oh yeah. That's true. I go to Mexico to buy this one thing like once a month. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I feel it's a little harder when it's Mexico. But yeah, like, that's fair. States, states, <laughs> states are a little easier than a country. <laughs> than uh, having to cross the border. Yeah, okay. I take it back. It's a little different. <laughs> but I mean, I the distance, it's easier to see that way. Yeah. But I thought that was trippy. That was like so not even relevant. I was just like, whoa, four blocks <laughs> away was an entirely different state. So on the way to the store... Carol unfortunately happened to be spotted by her mom who was heading home at the same time. I cannot even imagine how how much she was probably like, uh. The fear. (laughs) Yep. Her mom ordered her to go back home immediately after she bought her items and was told that she was going to be punished when she got back. While walking back, at some point, Carol was abducted. Carol's terrified mother reported her as missing that night. And her and her neighbors began to search the neighborhoods looking for any sign of the young girl. 
It wasn't until six days later at around 2 p.m. that the body of Carol was found by children playing on a grassy embankment next to the I-295 behind a hospital. She was fully dressed but missing her shoes, and an examination showed that she had been physically assaulted and raped before being strangled to death. She had cuts on her face, neck, chest, and both hands. Despite being missing for six days, the examination also showed that she had only been killed just a few days prior, meaning that her killer had kept her alive for days before her death. Citrus fruit was also found in her stomach, which backed up the theory that she'd been kept alive and fed. Also found on her body were green synthetic fibers. While looking into the case, investigators spoke to the 7-Eleven clerk who said that he did indeed see Carol leaving with her items. They also talked to a 14-year-old who had been on the way to the store with their family when they passed Carol walking by carrying a grocery bag. So she for sure did make it to 7-Eleven and buy her items. There's just at some point in those four blocks, which is nothing, four blocks is fucking nothing, that someone took her. The next victim was 16-year-old Darlena Denise Johnson, who also was living in the southeast quadrant of D.C. Darlena was last seen on July 8, 1971, and was on her way to her summer job at a rec center when she was kidnapped. She told her mom she was going to be staying the night at the rec center for a sleepover that they'd like planned for the kids, but she never showed up for her shift. She was reported missing the following day. One witness later reported seeing Darlena in an old black car driven by a black man not long after it's believed that she was abducted. Eleven days after going missing, the decomposing body of Darlena was found just 15 feet away from where Carol had been found a few months before. Sheesh. Her body had been found by a D.C. Department of Highways and Traffic employee who called the police to notify them of the remains. And this was actually the second call they'd received that day regarding the body. Officers were sent to the location and radioed back that they had found nothing and were moving on. Apparently, they didn't even stop their cars to look. They just drove by. Wow. So, a week later, one of the people who had called about the body returned to the site, and they were, like, fucking horrified to see that she was still there in a deep state of decomposition. I guess this man told his boss about it, and the boss also drove by, saw the body, and proceeded to call a friend of his who worked as a D.C. police sergeant. The sergeant had been off work that day, but drove along the side of the road until he was able to find the body and officially get it called in. How do you find the body of a teenager and call it in, and then you go back a week later and it's still there? Like, that's yeah, that's what? ridiculous. Like, stop your fucking car. Oh my god. I hope that those people got in trouble, but I doubt that they did. Yeah, I don't think they did. Yeah. Like the victim before her, Darlena too was found fully dressed except her shoes, but she was too decomposed to tell she'd been strangled or sexually assaulted, although there were supposedly evidence of strangulation. And I read this on exactly one source, so take this with a grain of salt, but the source said that the other call that the police had received the week before about the body was from an anonymous person who reportedly included details about the body that only the killer could have known. Hmm. But... Like I said, couldn't really find that anywhere else. (laughs) The third and youngest victim of the Highway Phantom was 10-year-old Brenda Faye Crockett. Brenda had dimples that she loved to show off while smiling for pictures. She had lots of friends and enjoyed going to church. She stood at just 4 foot 6 and weighed 75 pounds. She had a 7-year-old little sister named Bertha. Yeah, I'm sorry, it's upsetting. That's why I warned everyone at the beginning. 
On July 27, 1971, Brenda had been sent by her mom, Retha, to the local Safeway to pick up some bread and pet food for the three dogs. Brenda left around 8 p.m., barefoot and wearing pink foam hair curlers in her hair, as the rest of the neighborhood kids were all ganged together for movie night on the street. I just thought that was so cute to imagine a little 10-year-old with their little curlers being like, time to go to the store. <laughs> Retha had incorrectly assumed that her daughter would be taking a friend with her on her walk. When the little girl didn't arrive back to her northwest D.C. home within an hour, the Crockett's began to get scared. Retha left her younger daughter at home with her boyfriend and left to go search for her daughter. Around 9.20 p.m., the Crockett phone rang and was answered by Bertha. On the other line was a crying Brenda who told her sister a white man had snatched her up and took her somewhere in Virginia, but that he was soon going to send her home in a cab. Before being able to get any more information, Brenda very suddenly said bye and hung up. 25 minutes later, the phone rang again. This time, it was answered by Brenda's mom's boyfriend. And again, it was the missing little girl on the other line. The boyfriend, who was told about the call by Bertha, asked Brenda if she knew where she was in Virginia, but she said no before asking, did my mother see me? This confused the boyfriend, and he asked how she'd be able to see her if she was over in Virginia. The mom's boyfriend asked to speak to the man who took Brenda and heard heavy footsteps in the background before she whispered, well, I'll see you, and hung up. The next morning, around 5.50 a.m., a hitchhiker found Brenda's body in a visible area on Route 50. Like the other victims, she was found dressed except her shoes, and she had been raped and strangled. A scarf was knotted under her neck, and green synthetic fibers were found on her clothes. Mm -hmm. When authorities became involved, they very quickly decided that the calls were likely the kidnapper's idea to throw off police, and all the information given was probably inaccurate. One investigator thought it was really weird that the killer had called not just once, but twice, and had Brenda asked, like, if her mom had seen her. And they theorized that perhaps the killer knew Retha Crockett and wanted to make, like, 100% sure she did not witness the kidnapping. Because, like... I didn't think about that. And, like, why would she be allowed to call twice, you know? Yeah. Like, she was probably so scared the first time she didn't ask what she was supposed to be calling for. Ugh. Or maybe when she, the mom went out to look for her. Like, oh. she drove by somewhere or, Ugh. like, where they were. That's so she even worse. That's even fucking worse. Oh, my God. That's really sad to think about. Ugh. 12-year-old Nina Mashia Yates had been walking home from a Safeway in Northeast D.C. around 7 p.m. on October 1st, 1971, when she was abducted. Nina Mashia was a sixth grader at a local junior high and weighed 104 pounds. The grocery store was just a block from her family's apartment, and she'd been sent to buy sugar, flour, and paper plates as her stepmom had just given birth and her dad needed to be with his wife and the baby at the hospital. So they just assigned her this little task. Two hours after being kidnapped... Nina Mushia's body was found off the shoulder of Pennsylvania Avenue in Maryland by a 16-year-old boy. She was still warm to the touch. She had been raped and strangled and was found dressed except for her shoes. Again, unidentified green fibers were found in her clothing. One witness claimed to see her gang into a blue Volkswagen, but this lead didn't lead anywhere. Following this fourth murder, the media first began to suspect that they had a serial killer on the loose, a killer who they began to refer to as Freeway Phantom. The next murder victim was 18-year-old Brenda Denise Woodard. On the night of November 15, 1971, she had just had dinner with one of her high school classmates at Ben's Chili Bowl in Northwest D.C. 
She attended night class at the school to like get better at her typing and shorthand skills. And following their meal, the pair went to board a bus around 11.30 p.m. to head back to their respective homes. Normally, the friend would like go and drive Brenda home, but it just so happened that that day his car was in the shop, so he couldn't. Brenda got off alone at 8th and H Streets Northeast to transfer to another bus while the friend continued on. Around six hours later, Brenda's body was found by a cop in the grassy area near Prince George's County Hospital along a ramp to Route 202. The police officer said, I shined my flashlight into her eyes to see if there was life. She didn't blink. She didn't do anything. This crime scene was different from the rest of the murders thus far. So Brenda had still been wearing her shoes and her had her coat like placed on her chest, underneath which her turtleneck was on inside out. Buttons were missing from her coat and skirt. She had been raped and strangled, but she'd also been stabbed four times as well. She had wounds on her hands that confirmed that she fought back with her killer. So my thinking is she got stabbed because she was fighting back. And she was, like, 18. She's the oldest of the victims. Like, probably stronger, not just 100 pounds. Like, can actually put up a little bit of a fight. But in the pocket of Brenda's coat was a note saying, This is tantamount to my insensitivity to people, especially women. I will admit the others when you catch me if you can. Signed, Freeway Phantom. Investigations concluded that Brenda had written this note herself as it matched other handwriting samples, and she'd likely just been told by the killer what to write. Interestingly, though, there didn't seem to be any signs of distress in the writing, and Wonko even said there were no signs that she was nervous when she wrote the note. You don't think calmly like that as someone has kidnapped and assaulted you. And some people theorize that this means Brenda knew her attacker. Which I agree and don't agree. Like, maybe she thought that, like, if she knew them, she could have just been like, oh, they're just, like, fucking around. Like, I'm going to write this for them, whatever. But it's also, so weird, though. it's really weird. Like, I I do wonder if maybe <laughs> there was signs of distress or maybe she was able to chill herself out. I'm like, I don't know. I just can't imagine how they look at it and be like, oh, yeah, she wasn't nervous at all <laughs> when she's writing that. Unless she thought it was like a joke or something, but I don't think so. Yeah, that's sus. It's super sus. For a while, it seemed like maybe the Freeway Phantom had ended his string of murders until nearly a year later on September 5th, 1972, when he took his last known victim. 17-year-old high school senior Diane Denise Williams had spent the evening cooking dinner for her family before going to visit her boyfriend's house. Diane had a great sense of style, and she wanted to be a model when she got older, but first she would have to attend college with the money that her dad had been saving for her. She was last seen boarding a bus around 11.20 p.m. by her boyfriend who had walked her to her stop. Just a few hours later, Diane's strangled body was found along I-295. Unlike the other victims, Diane was still wearing her shoes, And I read conflicting reports on whether or not she had been sexually assaulted, but I do believe that there was semen found on her. The money that had been saved for her to go to school ended up having to be used to pay for her to be buried. In 1974, the FBI created a task force to find the Freeway Phantom, a task force that at one point had 100 detectives and federal agents on it. A profile was put together of the killer, and it was believed that he was a black male with at least a high school education and average or above average intelligence. 
he was probably employed, knew how to start conversations with women, but not how to maintain healthy relationships. And he likely either lived alone or with an older woman and knew the neighborhoods where he was taking these girls. In 1987, some investigators began to consider another murder victim from 1972 as a victim of the Freeway Phantom. 18-year-old Tierra Ann Bryant was found under a bridge in Maryland, but her case was never 100% connected to the case as she was found in, like, a different area. I don't think that that necessarily means anything because he could have just changed the locations after all, like, the stuff happening in D.C. And Maryland is not very far. I mean, one of the victims was technically found in Maryland. So I'm going to go over some of the suspects considered by investigators I stumbled upon my research. First, this is going to be a short one, is Edward Sullivan and Tommy Simmons. So before I talk about these two, I need to do a bit of backstory. Just two days after the body of the first victim, Carol Spinks, was found, another body was actually found. This body belonged to 14-year-old Angela Denise Barnes, who I did not mention before. The MO was a little different in Angela's case, as she'd been shot, but she was still found near a highway, so she was believed to be a victim of the Freeway Phantom. This was actually believed for three years until 1974 when two former cops by the name of Edward Sullivan and Tommy Simmons were arrested for her murder. Sheesh. Yeah. They, like, I guess they, like, retired the year that they killed her. I don't know. They were trying to seem less suspicious or some shit. Like, the fuck? Initially, of course, they were considered as suspects for all of the Freeway Phantom murders, but they were eventually found to not be involved in the six other killings. Another strong suspect I'm going to be talking about is a man named Robert Askins. 58-year-old Robert Askins became a suspect in March of 1977 when he was charged with the abduction and rape of a 24-year-old woman inside his D.C. home. A homicide detective decided to question Robert and found out that he had previously been charged with murder on several different occasions. Not once, not twice, several. (laughs) I'm sorry, what? (laughs) I know. (laughs) On December 28, 1938, Robert had been a 19-year-old student when he served cyanide-laced whiskey to five sex workers at a brothel, an action which resulted in the death of 31-year-old Ruth McDonald. Dude, what the fuck kind of psycho? I, like, what? I've never even heard of something like this before. Serving them cyanide-laced drinks. The fuck? Why? Because he sucks. (laughs) he later claimed that the cyanide was supposed to just be for him to kill himself which is weird because just two days after this murder robert stabbed 26 year old sex worker elizabeth johnson to death at the same location he's like "Ah, i was trying to stab myself to kill myself it was an accident (laughs) (laughs) and then upon being arrested he told police that he was a woman hater and wanted revenge because he'd gotten an std from a sex worker earlier that year So he forgot to use a condom and was murdering women for that. Like, go get fucking antibiotics. Chill out. Robert was put under mental observation, and while he was there, he briefly broke up his restraints and assaulted three orderlies with a chair before being re-secured. He was trying to kill himself with the chair. (laughs) Like this guy, I can't. (laughs) During his murder trials, Robert was revealed to be a police informant who helped cops in the arrest of sex workers. So, again, he, like, really wants revenge on these people because he got a fucking STD. I'm like, you made that choice, dude. You probably didn't use a condom. That's on you. In 1939, he was found to be criminally insane and was committed to St. Elizabeth's Hospital. 
Unfortunately, he was not there that long and was released in April of 1952. Just five months after his release, he was arrested again for strangling 42-year-old Laura Cook to death. He was trying to strangle himself. I don't even know what this guy's issue is right now. (laughs) He was indicted for this new murder, accused of several other similar assaults, and was actually even retried for the original 1938 murders, as it was now decided that he had indeed been sane at the times he committed them. He was found guilty of second-degree murder this time around and sentenced to 20 years to life. But 20 years quickly turned into much less when the conviction was overturned in 1958 due to a legal technicality. Since that time, as far as I could tell, Robert had remained out of prison until the 1977 rape. So now, looking super suspicious, police searched Robert's home and yard to see if they could find any connection to the Freeway Phantom murders. They found women's scarves, photos of girls and young women, a knife that had been used in a different crime, and an essay from a girl. Later in a search of his car, two buttons and a gold earring were found under the back seat, but in the end, no physical evidence related to the freeway phantom was discovered, and Robert was not charged in relation to the murders, which had happened several years before, so I feel like it would be tough finding anything. Interestingly, though, while searching his home, court documents were found where a judge had used the word tantamount, which, if you recall, was a word used in the note that the killer had left behind before. Some of Robert's co-workers also attested that he frequently used the word, which, I mean, obviously isn't used much, but, I mean, this doesn't mean that he's, like, the killer. It's just worth noting, like, hey, this is kind of a fucking weird word, and this guy apparently says it often. Robert Askins remained in prison for rape and abduction until his death on April 30th, 2010, at the age of 91. Despite being contacted by both investigators and the media, he denied being the Freeway Phantom, saying that he didn't have the depravity of mind required to commit any of the crimes. Which I thought was, like, kind of rich coming from a literal rapist and murderer. <laughs> like, where does the where does the line get crossed? Is it because they were kids? Like they were younger. I know. I'm like, okay, they're, like, eight years younger than your other victims? Like, okay. Imagine a serial rapist and killer being like, I just don't have the depravity of mind for that. Like, what the fuck? You're crazy. I Who are you to that. look down? <laughs> when looking into a case in 1979, one investigator learned of the Green Vega rapist case. So this case refers to two men who had been arrested and convicted in the 1972 kidnapping and raping of young women around D.C. These men, along with three others, drove around in, you guessed it, a Green Vega, and would go and abduct women, and rape them. A tip had come in alleging that the Freeway Phantom was a member of this gang. So the members, who at the time were incarcerated for their crimes, were investigated and interviewed individually to see if anyone had any information of the Freeway Phantom killings. The men were able to provide information about the killings, but not everyone believed that they were really involved, as they didn't seem to know anything about the note left with Brenda Woodard, and hair samples taken from them didn't match samples from the body. They're basically just, like, repeating stuff that anyone could have heard on the news. Hmm. Unfortunately, at the time of the murders, it was common practice for files to be kept by detectives assigned to cases. So, as a result of this, the case file is now incomplete, as over the years, some files and evidence have been lost. Like, literally, even the note that was found on Brenda was lost. Mm Mm-hmm. Amongst other detective notes. How the fuck do you lose that? 
Like the single most important thing. It was another cop. (laughs) Maybe. A majority of the investigators are now long retired or dead, so there isn't really any way to get this lost information back. There are many people, even retired police officers, who believe that if the victims had been white instead, there would have been way more manpower put into solving the murders, and perhaps not all this important material would have been so easy to lose. Missing white women syndrome. Yep, we talked about it a few weeks ago, and it's coming back again. So, I didn't know where exactly to include this little piece of information, but regarding that DNA that I said it was from Diane's body... I could not fucking tell while researching if it's actually going to be tested or if there's not enough to test it. Like, I was getting so confused. I read something from, like, 2011 that they were like, yeah, we're going to test it. And this thing else, like, from before, that was like, it's not enough to test. And then, like, nothing new about it. So I don't I, – or like, I mean, it could be backlogged. We know that there's, like, a huge backlog on shit like that probably. So it was fucking weird. As of today, the Freeway Phantom is still wanted, and there's a $150,000 reward offered for anyone who can help solve the cases and give the families of these six girls the answers they've been seeking for decades. But yeah, that is it for my story. All right. So now I'm going to talk about the I-70 Strangler. All right. That sounds like a barrel of laughs. You can do unidentified interstate killers. (laughs) I could. We could get me more specific. <laughs> well, we're going to hopefully be doing something like also weirdly similar in the future because I found out about this place, two different places. Um, it's the Highway of Tears and Texas Killing Fields, just both intense names, really, where like a lot of people have like gone missing or like bodies been found and that could have potentially been the work of multiple serial killers. So we're talking about that soon. That will be unidentified interstate killers well no the texas is a field damn it (laughs) it's an interstate field (laughs) all right so the i-70 strangler is an unidentified american serial killer who killed 12 gay men in indiana and ohio between june 1980 and october 1991 oh fuck yeah it's a long ass period yeah but yeah, the killer would dump their bodies near the interstate I-70. So that's where he got his name from. <laughs> oh! No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> and I mean, you can guess how he got the strangler name. The strangler? <laughs> strangler? Is that, did I say that? Oh yeah. my god. How? He was strangling <laughs> them? Yes, he was strangling. <laughs> Wait, this reminded me once whenever my mom was in town and we were like watching my nieces, one of them like choked on her food a little bit. And my mom was like, oh, she's strangling. And I was like, that's <laughs> not the same thing. <laughs> that is very different. <laughs> she's choking. She's strangling. I'm like, what do oh, you mean? No. The food is strangling her from the inside. <laughs> Apparently. I mean, that's really, that's kind of what choking is, right? Yeah. It yeah, it's just is. strangling you from the inside. I mean, and then it's strangling weird. is choking from the outside. <laughs> yes. Precisely. She wasn't, like, completely wrong. No. Just a little wrong. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. The killer would choose young boys and adolescents as victims whom he had met in popular gay bars and or other similar establishments. 
So he knew that they were gay. Yeah. Okay. All the all the victims were later found naked or partially naked near the I seventy, often dumped in rivers, streams, or ditches in the rural countryside. Oh. Each had been um, strangled to death, and there was a total of twelve victims. Jesus Christ. Yep. So this is the long ass list. So the first known victim was Michael Petrie. Um, he was a 15-year-old, was discovered naked in a rural Hamilton County on June 16, 1980. He was a male prostitute who spent most of his time around Indianapolis gay bars. He had been reported missing on June 7th, but three days later, on June 10th, he was seen in a different part of the city riding along in a stranger's car. And then... His body was eventually found. Oh, he was so young, too. To yeah, be 15. Like, the second victim was Maurice Taylor. The 23-year-old topless corpse was found in July 1982 in the Weasel Creek in the rural Hamilton County outside of Atlanta. The coroners couldn't definitively establish the cause of death, but they suspected strangulation. Yes, I'd assume. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And Maurice was like, I guess, a drifter, kind of homeless. He actually lived in a boiler room of an apartment oh. complex. Oh, wow. That sucks. And yeah, due to his financial difficulties, he actually offered sex services around gay bars. And he actually was originally unidentified. For how long? For eight months. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, the only re reason I guess it took so long was because his mom was detained in a mental hospital. Oh. So she wasn't able to, like, report him missing. Yeah. So I'm assuming, like, he would go visit her and obviously when he stopped, that raised she some flags. Like, what the fuck? Yeah, but there was obviously nothing she could do, you know? That's so scary to think that the only person who could report you missing cannot physically report you missing. Yeah, that's Ooh. crazy. That's sad. Uh, so the third victim was Devoid Lee Baker. He was a 14-year-old 8th grader. <gasps> oh. His body was found semi-nude in a river in Hamilton County. During the investigation of his death, police found a witness who stated Devoid was last seen on the evening of October 2nd in downtown Indianapolis. He was seen getting on a blue van driven by a young white man with a bushy mustache. Who is letting these, like, 14-year-olds party with them? Exactly, bro. Creeps, I guess. Just creeps. Just pedophiles. And literal murderers. <laughs> pedophiles. <laughs> yeah, the fuck. The boy's parents told police that he had been riding his bike to the city center the evening of his disappearance. Which is, like... I guess something he did often. Oh. I guess he ended up, he called home around 10.30 p.m. to inform his parents that he was going to be late because he wanted to go to the movies. Oh, um, so it might have been while he was on the way to the movies. Well, oh. I don't know. Um, That actually concerned his parents because they knew he didn't have any money. So they were kind of like, oh, you know, what do you like, mean? Like, is he lying or like yeah. what? Mm -hmm. 
It was later established that DeVoid and a 16-year-old friend had actually been cruising the gay bars for the last three months. And according to his friend, they prostituted themselves for 20 to $23 per night. They were kids. Who was going with them? I'm not blaming them or anything. I'm saying if you're an adult and you see that, be like, hey, you clearly need the money. You're 14. Let me give you some money. You don't have to do anything. <laughs> I guess they don't be a creep. that nice. <laughs> I know. You can tell when 14-year-olds are 14. Even if they look old, just talk to them and you'll know. 14-year-olds are annoying. The <laughs> yeah. void is actually the youngest victim and the only black victim. Oh wow! And because of like the differences, being a different race and stuff, and really young, mm -hmm. they actually considered his death to be like unrelated to the strangler. I mean, the first victim was fifteen, and it's yeah, it's not that off. It's not that off at all. But I think it's because he was the only black victim. Yeah. But yeah, the fourth victim was Michael Andrew Riley. He was a 22-year-old who had disappeared on May 28th, uh, 1983. He had visited the Vogue Theater, which is a gay movie house. Oh, cool. But yeah, he was last seen with an unfamiliar man with whom he ended up leaving with. Uh, Michael's nude body was later found in a ditch in Hancock County. Which is, I don't know if, if you guys know the area. It's uh, southeast of Greenfield. Okay. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> and I don't know it, but I'm sure someone knows. No. <laughs> I, I thought I'd mention it just in case. Someone out um, there is going, oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, maybe. <laughs> but yeah, his body was found on June 5th. About a week later after he had disappeared. Ugh. Um, And the autopsy determined that he had been strangled. Um, likely with a towel or similar fabric. Oh my gosh. I don't think I've ever heard of that, right? Like a towel? Yeah, that's like pretty harsh. Yeah. I feel like most towels are too thick. I was thinking the same thing. Like, this sounds fucked up. I feel like you'd have to be very strong to be able to get a towel because that seems like it'd be easier for a person to like get a grip under, I guess. True. I don't know. I don't obviously I don't know what's like to be fucking strangled. So <laughs> I don't know how to defend yourself from that. Yeah, me either. Yeah, the fifth victim was Eric Allen Rodiger. He was a seventeen year old who vanished on May seventh, nineteen eighty five. His shirtless body was found a few days later near a stream in rural Preble County, Ohio. Which is east of Lewisburg. Wherever that is. That actually sounds kind of familiar. Doesn't but maybe I'm know. just making it up because I want to know. Lewisburg, Ohio? I'm like, yes, of course, of course. You're like, oh yeah, I've been there. <laughs> I, I summer there. According to his parents, Eric was planning to attend interviews for a summer job on the days of his disappearance. Or I mean the day, not days. <laughs> the days. Several days. Girl. <laughs> <laughs> he kept disappearing and popping back up <laughs> no but I guess he was like supposed to have a bunch of interviews um, but he didn't attend any of them oh not even like the first of them or anything yeah. so he's just on the oh, uh. and his friends and relatives denied that he was gay which is like I mean if you're closeted obviously you wouldn't know you know yeah and obviously you wouldn't tell your Family in the 80s when they were probably like exactly. homophobic and shit. Exactly. 
And it was like the mid 80s. I was surprised that the other ones, like, seemingly people knew that they were gay. I mean, maybe their families didn't know, though. I, I, for most of the victims, it seems like a lot of their families didn't know. Yeah, okay. It's probably a just because they were seen at gay bars that people yeah. know for sure. Yeah. I mean, um, it is possible that maybe he was straight. Who knows? True. He, like, maybe he just seemed more feminine, so the killer was like, ah, one of those gosh darn gays. <laughs> or he just happened to see him, like, at a gay bar and just assume. Yeah, exactly. I don't know why this, like, is even part of it, but I guess police indicated that Eric had many friends and acquaintances who were drug addicts or drug a- um traffickers. They kind of insinuated that maybe his death has something to do with that. Yeah. Probably not. Yeah, <laughs> I, mean, I don't think so. None of the other victims were... <laughs> <laughs> And some witnesses claimed that they had seen Eric at a bus stop in the early morning of March 7th, but instead of waiting for the bus, he accepted a ride from a passing car. Oh, no. Which is, like, interesting. I feel like you must know somebody. You wouldn't just... I hope you wouldn't yeah. just get into a stranger's car, you know? I mean, there are people like that, though. We did That's the whole true. hitchhiking gone wrong episode. Very true, very true. I take it back. Um, but, but it is yeah. weird if he was already planning on going the bus to being like, oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> Unless you knew them. He had been strangled with the rope. Because he had, like, rope burns. Uh, sorry. The sixth victim was Michael Allen Glenn. Um, He was a 29-year-old whose body was only found in underwear in a ditch near Eaton, Ohio. He was found in August of 1986. Um, he had lived in a trailer park located in the outskirts of Indiap- Indi- Indianapolis. Yes. <laughs> I think it's fun to say. <laughs> I smiled when I said it. Indianapolis. Indianapolis. I yes. think. Yeah, sure. He he lived there. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I guess he worked as a handyman, so the exact date of his disappearance couldn't really be established because I guess it would like, <sighs> kind of come and go. I need to have somebody like checking in on me every day, so if anything happens, they won't be like, mm, I don't know. She said she just oh, disappears. I, I don't know where she did when she disappeared, officer. Oh God, scary. And he also had strangulation marks on his neck, thought to be from a rope. Um, and he actually originally was actually a John. I said actually like three times. I didn't even notice. <laughs> <laughs> he originally was actually a John Doe. Oh, for how long was this one a John Doe? Three years. Three years. Three years. Is it because he was a fucking handyman? Like what the fuck? <laughs> no, that's actually how they <laughs> identified him. Was was his fingerprints? Why did that take three years? <laughs> I don't know. Uh, I think yeah, they were just yeah, kind of yeah. waiting. Seeing if someone comes forward, then they're like, well, I guess we'll have to do our jobs. <laughs> <laughs> no one's going to come tell us. I, mean, I don't know the reason, but I just know it was three years before he was like, yeah, officially yeah. identified. Jesus Christ. So the seventh victim was James Robbins. He was a 21-year-old who went missing on October 15th 1987 at around 10 p.m. shortly after leaving his mother's home in indianapolis i said it <laughs> then you ruined it by saying <laughs> i said it <laughs> i said it um but yeah, yeah I guess continue 
anyways. Yeah, he left his mom's house and was just walking. Okay. To the southern part of the city. Um, two days later, his naked corpse was found with strangulation marks in a ditch in rural Shelby County, Ugh. near the I-70. Um, while investigating his murder, police located two witnesses who gave conflicting info. Okay. I guess one claimed that they had seen a red Jeep renegade near the crime scene. Mm-hmm. While the other said that it was a Chevrolet Blazer, which are two very different cars. Yeah, they sound very different. <laughs> I mean, did they see both cars? Maybe. Maybe I'm like maybe one of them like dumped maybe the body they... and then the other one found it. Yeah, I don't know. It's that sus. seems yeah, it's, it's very interesting. Very sus. But yeah, uh, the eighth victim was Jean Paul Talbot. There's actually not much known about him, just that he was found strangled to death in May 1989, and his body had been dumped near a stream in Defiance County, Ohio. Do we even know his age? Mm-mm. Ugh. Yeah, just his name. That's sad. Um, the ninth victim was Stephen L. Elliot. L. Elliot? Um, L. Elliot. Oh, like the initial L. Yeah, the initial L. <laughs> I was thinking E-L, and I was like, how oh. funny. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean the initial L. Like his okay. middle name started with the L. Okay, got it. He was 26 years old, and his corpse was found in only underwear in the August of 1989 in rural Preble County. Um, he had been strangled, presumably with a rope, and... Stephen's father told police that his son came out as gay in 1979, which what was a like God for doing 10, that. 10 years earlier. Wow. Um, and that he had left home and had gotten involved in prostitution and had developed an alcohol addiction. Oh, fuck. That's sad. But I was like, yo, was that his choice or was that yours? Yeah, or did you kick him out probably that when he came out? I was out? like, hmm... It's a little sus. Yeah, but he probably wouldn't admit to that after his kid died. He'd be like, yeah. oh, I told him he could have stayed. Yeah, he, <laughs> he decided to leave. He decided to leave and struggle. <laughs> I guess we'll never know. We'll never know. Um, the 10th victim was Clay Russell Boatman. He was uh, tw- 32 years old and disappeared in August 1990. I guess he was leaving his Richmond apartment to, it's called Our Place. It was a local gay bar. Okay. He was actually a licensed practical nurse. Oh, cool. And his body was found in a ditch by a group of children near Eaton, Ohio. A group of children? Yes. Oh. That's traumatizing for those kids. Jesus, yeah. His family was interviewed but they also denied that he was gay. <laughs> I mean, maybe he wasn't, but, like, at least consider the situation here, folks. Yeah. I mean, did you really know him? You yeah, know? did you really? Would you have made it clear that he could confide in you if he was gay? <laughs> Probably true. not. Probably not. Probably not. The 11th victim was Thomas Clevenger Jr., he was a 19-year-old who vanished without a trace on in August of 1990. His semi-nude corpse was later found at an abandoned railroad track near Greenville, Ohio. Fuck. Yeah. 
Um, Thomas grew up in a poor neighborhood of Indianapolis, and due to his rocky upbringing, he started committing crimes and drinking at an early age. Oh. Um, at the age of 14, he actually attacked and stabbed his deputy headmaster. Whoa. And during his school years, he was actually diagnosed with a intellectual disability. Mm-hmm. Um, which, like, caused him to have problems reading and writing. And I'm sure they didn't really have the help that he needed at that yeah. school. <laughs> I doubt it. But yeah, shortly before his death, he engaged in prostitution um, near gay bars to earn money, which was a fact denied by his mother and sister. Ugh. <laughs> I'm like, why does it... Why do you have to like be in denial about that? I mean, maybe it just makes them worse. I'd like to think it's something like it makes them sad to think that he couldn't go to them for help. But I know that's probably not it. I know it's probably because they don't like sex workers and they don't like gay people. Yeah, probably. Was yeah. The early 90s. Still, damn. And the 12th known victim was Otto Gary Becker. He was a 42-year-old whose body was found in a ditch next to Gravel Road in rural Henry County. Much older than the rest. Yeah, I think he's the oldest. Yeah, his body was found on October 7th, 1991. Did they immediately think that he was connected, even though his age? I don't think so. Because I know whenever you said the 14-year-old, they were like, well, we don't know because the age. I'm like, this guy's like... <laughs> A lot. A bigger age difference. <laughs> no, I think it was just later. Because it was like the same MO. Yeah. So while investigating his murder, police found several witnesses who saw Otto in a car with 200 men earlier in the day. 200 um, men? Two other men. Oh my god. I was like, <laughs> what are you talking about? Is yep, this like a it's clown like a, car? It's a clown car. <laughs> To say two other men. I thought I you just said it wrong. Said it. <laughs> <laughs> Can't wait to hear that back and just hear which one of us is being weird. <laughs> it might have been me. <laughs> I'd love it if it was me. You're like two other and I'm like 200. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, the car was driving north on the I-70 near Indianapolis. According to witnesses, one of the men was holding Otto down while the other man drove. Which Fuck. is sus. So there might be two people. Yes. Ugh. Possibly. Police actually like showed the witnesses photographs of various criminals that had been convicted of kidnapping mm-hmm. and murder, but they couldn't like identify any of them. Interesting. Yeah. A task force of eight officers was created by the Indianapolis police in 1982 to investigate the crimes. Um, following the discovery of Michael Andrew Riley, who was the fourth victim, four more men were like added to the list of potential victims. Twenty-five year old Gary Davis, twenty-seven year old Dennis Brajesi, twenty-one year old John Roach, and twenty-two year old Daniel McNeef. Jesus, that's a lot of fucking people. Hmm. But yeah, like the other 12, they were homosexual, visited gay bars, and were killed in Indianapolis between August 1981 and May 1983. Also strangled? It doesn't say. 
Okay. Well, I mean, probably if it. But I assume so. Yeah. Um, but yeah, in 1983, the FBI joined the investigation and profiles suggested that the offenders showed volatile behavior when committing the murders. I guess near the like end. how? <laughs> well, you'll see. Okay. I guess near the end, it was determined that there were at least two different perpetrators. Oh. Yeah. Fuck. Two different and like they work separately. No, yeah, I was like so two, afraid you were gonna say that. <laughs> two completely different. So, <sighs> well, yeah, because of that like theory, they said that those last four that I mentioned mm-hmm. were removed because they were like just different. Like they, they didn't really go killer. with yeah, they didn't really go with the mo. Jeez. So it says that their killer was a white man between the ages of twenty and thirty, worked in. A job requiring low-skilled labor, was a fan of military paraphernalia, and led Nazi a healthy... Nazi shit is probably what they mean. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. And led a healthy lifestyle. In his everyday life, he expressed homophobic views, but was a secretly closeted gay. What do we um, think about that? Do we think that that's... I, I don't know. Sometimes whenever I hear whenever gay people have been killed, they're like, ah... It's a secretly a gay person who killed them. I'm like, or it could have been actually a homophobic person. <laughs> That's true. But, you know, I feel like most of, like, really homophobic people are gay. They just, like, cannot admit to themselves. Well, yeah, and that's what they, yeah. like, the FBI said. They commit the murders out of shame and self-hatred. Ugh. Like, no offense, but just kill yourself then. Jesus Christ. Right? That's what I... You gotta take, like, 11 other people <laughs> down with you. What the fuck? What the fuck? Um, but yeah, so that was like kind of like the profile they wrote for those four. Mm-hmm. And then for the other 12 victims, they say that their killer was a white man, about 45 years of age, likely overweight, had a high paying job and was well respected in his community. John Wayne Gacy? <laughs> the fuck? <laughs> Sounds like it. I know. Um, they also concluded that the killer may be married but has no intimate relationship with his wife. So it's literally John Wayne Gacy. Yep. Likely because his attraction to adolescent boys and young men. He feels shame and guilt that in addition to possibly destroying his career and reputation would result in a deep hatred and subsequent murder. What the fuck? (laughs) Now I hate myself because I keep thinking this sounds like John Wayne Gacy. But he also like assaulted and tortured kids so. So, unfortunately, that just means that there's lots of serial killers that think this way. Mm, Probably. Uh, But, yeah, now I'm going to talk about a few suspects. Or, what would you call them? Like, persons of interest. Yeah. But, yeah, one of the first suspects was 47-year-old Duncan Peterson, a Florida native. Um, In the fall of 1982, he was arrested in Indianapolis on charges of statutory rape against young boys. Ew. <laughs> and shortly after his arrest, a friend of the Boyd Baker, the third victim, the only oh. black kid, yeah. um, claimed that he had gotten into Duncan's van. Okay, that's weird. Mm-hmm. So Duncan later admitted that it was true and that he had paid the Boyd $20 for oral sex 
which the two had in the hotel room. He denied killing him and claimed that he had taken him to the Indianapolis um, Central Library, where he let him go and saw him get into another van. What the fuck are the chances of that? <laughs> he meets one pedophile, <laughs> runs into a murderer? Uh, slim to none. Yeah, I mean, I guess it is it is possible, but that's the worst luck ever if that happened. Right? What the well, fuck? It did happen. Because his testimony was actually corroborated by another witness. It wasn't like a wife or some shit like that, was it? Mm-mm. His mom. No, it was like <laughs> someone at the library, so... Oh my god! So oh, yeah, that's they heartbreaking. That what are the chances you running into two fucked up people like that in one night? Well, yeah. <gasps> but yeah, the witness says that they saw Doughboy leave the van, go up the library steps to talk to a man he apparently knew, before the two got into the older man's car. Oh my god! So probably was someone he knew. It sounds like like maybe someone who had paid him for sex work previously. Yeah, I think so. But yeah, they even asked Duncan to take a polygraph test, which he agreed and passed. Damn. So, he was convicted on charges of child molestation, but he was officially excluded as a suspect in the I-70 murders. Fucking nutty. I Um, thought we solved the case right now. (laughs) (laughs) No. Um, Another suspect was August Gus Cato. He was a resident in Carmel, Indiana. He was briefly detained and interrogated for the murders in Indianapolis, but was quickly released after investigators found no evidence linking him to any of the crimes. (laughs) I mean, I'm curious what evidence they would find from the killer. That's true. I'm just untrustworthy. Maybe I like don't trust. That makes it sound like you can't trust me. <laughs> <laughs> um, another suspect, it's more viable, um, was a convicted serial killer, Larry Ellier. Oh. E-Y-E-R-L-E-R? It's E-Y-L-E-R. I'd say Ayler. Ayler? Or Ehler, yeah. Ehler, Ayler. Yeah. Anyways. Um, he He's had, a serial was, killer. We don't yeah. need to get his name right. <laughs> he was a serial killer. Um, he was found guilty of murdering 21 adolescent boys and young men in Indiana and Illinois. 21? 21. Fuck. Oh my god, if it was him, that's like over 30 victims. Well, 21, like that was his... Well, you'll see, you'll see. Okay, okay. But yeah, he was actually on death row for a murder of a 16-year-old Daniel Bridges. But I guess they said that there were some inconsistencies in the MO of Larry and that of the I-70 Strangler. Okay. Larry killed, or killings, His key, he basically killed in, like, the span of a year mm-hmm. versus the I-70 Strangler killed over the length of 11 years. Yeah, so much less frequently. <laughs> Yeah, and then also Larry stabbed his victims with a knife, and the strangler obviously strangled strangled them. When which murders came first, the Larry's victims or the I seventy victims? They were like around the same time. Okay, I was gonna say it could have been or like think... a weird escalation thing. Like maybe they got more confident and changed how they killed them. Oh, maybe. 
1980s. No, it was like around the same. Yeah. Time. Okay. But yeah, that was like the major like difference. But they both did target homosexuals and dump their bodies near the interstate highways. So, how many serial killers are we at now? At that time, <laughs> there's like 50 of them just in this area. <laughs> yeah, oh, there is. Cool. There oh really my god. Is. Several victims were found near Richmond, Indiana, where Larry's mom lived. So that's kind of why they he got put on their radar. Oh, damn. But yeah. So he was awaiting execution in November of 1990. And he basically invited his lawyer or like had his lawyer invite a bunch of authorities from um Illinois and Indiana and basically mm-hmm. try to negotiate a plea deal. Oh, so it may not have been the most honest of intentions while <laughs> doing this. Well maybe. So basically in exchange for commuting his sentence, he would provide information that would help solve more than twenty murders, which he alleged to have committed with the help of his lover, Robert Little. Oh. Who was a professor at the Indiana University. So, another serial killer. Another serial killer, yeah. Are you fucking kidding me? What the fuck is this story? <laughs> like, Indiana <laughs> fucking sucks. <laughs> well, have you listened to Crime Junkies? Yeah, they're there, huh? <laughs> they're there, and they're always talking about how there's, like, hella serial killers there. Oh, my God. Which At least is it's like... not Alaska, I guess. I feel like Alaska's <laughs> worse. <laughs> I feel like it's easier to get away with in Alaska. Ugh. Anyways. <laughs> Scary. Um, Prosecutors in the seven of nine counties agreed to bargain with him on the sole exception of Cook County, Illinois, where Larry had actually been convicted of killing that 16-year-old. But yeah, shortly after the Vermilion County Attorney's Office reopened its investigation into the murder of 23-year-old Stephen Agan, which is another victim, unrelated to the 12 or the other four that I mentioned. Being a gay man in this area at that time was like a death sentence. Ugh. Stephen had been uh, stabbed to death in December 19th, 1982. Um, so actually fearing new charges, Larry wrote a 17-page confession concerning the murder of Stephen. But yeah, in his confession, he claimed that he committed it or like murdered him with the help of Robert Little. And because he, like, basically confessed, they offered him a plea deal. Mm-hmm. Um, so basically they said, okay, plead guilty and we'll give you a 60-year sentence, which I guess is better than the death penalty. Hey, big true. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, Larry took it and he actually became a key witness and testified against Robert. Damn. But because there was no physical evidence that implicated him, and he claimed that he had gone to visit his mom in Florida. They actually, they found him not guilty. So they, in the end, someone did end up using their mom as an alibi. <laughs> yeah, Robert Little. Like sounds legit. His mom <laughs> would never lie for him. Um, but yeah. Uh, two days after Larry's death on March eighth, nineteen ninety four, his lawyer announced his confession would be made public. In it, he admitted to killing 21 young men between 1982 and 1984. Fuck, dude. Well, so that's why I meant, like, he was 
for they they know for sure he killed twenty one people. Yeah. So I think he was only like convicted for that one murder of the sixteen year old. Mm hmm. And then like after he died, they found out, or like no, when he confessed the first time. Mm hmm. Or for the plea bargain, that's when they found out about more murders. The scale of it, and then they're like, "Oh, yeah. why are we pleading with this person?" Yeah. <laughs> um. But yeah, because of his confession, we find out that two out of those f- other four I mentioned were committed by him. What the fuck? Yeah. But wait, the other two weren't? No. <laughs> yeah. It's you just gotta like, be what? kidding me. <laughs> How many predators were in this fucking area? Uh, apparently a lot. And these are just ones that we know of. Yeah. How many that's, people... That's what I'm <laughs> thinking. How many other people died under suspicious circumstances? There was also, besides the I-70 strangler, there was the I-70, like, murder serial killer. Like, just another Just a one. different one? Yeah. I'm never fucking going Indiana. <laughs> Fuck that. Fuck that shit. I mean, I'm not a gay man, so I guess I don't fit the victim profile, but... <laughs> bro. Fuck that. Yeah. And the last... Like suspect is um Herb Baumeister, such a serial killer name. <laughs> <laughs> um, so in February of 1998, Indianapolis resident contacted police and claimed that the local businessman, Herb, was the mysterious man photographed leaving the Vogue Theater with one of the I-70 victims, Michael Riley, which was the fourth victim. Random that they're calling it in now. Right? Well, no, they did call it in 1997. Okay. But still, it's a while after. Yeah. Well, actually, that is way after. It's probably like 10 years after. No, yeah, that is a long time after. (laughs) And, well, prior, he committed suicide in 1960s. 1996? I was going to say 1960. I was like, he wasn't even alive at the time. Yeah, I was about to say that, but I was like, wait, no, it's 1996. But he was actually a prime suspect in the murders of at least seven men who were killed between 1993 and 1995. Different men? Different men. <laughs> I want, like, a whiteboard with all of these things connected. <laughs> it's a <laughs> lie. It's a, I, well, I'm going to need a big-ass whiteboard. I'm, like, tripping right now. Oh, my God. <laughs> but, yeah, he was... The prime suspect in the the murders of at least seven men whose remains were later found buried on his property. I heard of this guy. That's Herb? Yeah. Because whenever you said that's a serial killer name, I was like, I think I said that because there's a serial killer with that name. (laughs) (laughs) I bet that's him. I mean, I don't even know for sure. No, I think it was him. Oh, but yeah, after they like found out that information Uh about him like murdering and burying the bodies. Uh, they basically just named him a prime suspect in the I-70 strangler case. But that will never be confirmed or not. No. Um, I mean, it would be interesting if he was because he buried his other victims. Well, leave him well that's, that's why, according to the investigators, he stopped dumping the bodies of his victims in 1991 after he had bought the Fox Hollow Farm which he would use as a burial site for his victims. Oh, no. Fuck that. So that's why it kind of makes sense. Mm -hmm. But as of 2021, no physical evidence has linked Herb to the I-70 victims. Just a theory. 
Yeah, just a theory. Um, but they kind of like basically think it's him, so I don't think they're really doing much anymore. Well, I mean, with how it seems over there, there's probably at least four other main <laughs> suspects. <laughs> True. Um, but actually, Ted Flesh Caker, Caker, what a name. Um, he's a editor in chief for a gay newspaper. Mm-hmm. Um, he basically claims that Herb wasn't responsible for the murders and accuses police of misconduct, saying that they basically are using him as a convenient excuse to close the cases ahead of a municipal election while the real killer or killers remain at large. Fuck. I was like, well, he's... That's a good point. I mean, he might be right. We don't know. Close them and be like, all right, now elect me a sheriff. Yeah, it's like... It's like <laughs> I just oh, closed yep. cases. Yep, it was this guy, Herb, that um killed himself, so we will never know, but we're pretty sure it's him. Yeah. Also, I'm the one who found that out, so elect me. Three years later. <laughs> well, we're not totally sure. Well... <laughs> <laughs> well, oh, this, you know, you see, the evidence kind of shows that it, it would be him. I'm going to Google this whenever we're all done recording. I need to see, like, I need to see a graph of all this stuff lined up together. <laughs> it's a lot. Or it's a lot. I How mean, long did it take you to research this shit? <laughs> 30 a minutes. Lot of, a lot of hours. <laughs> like, I didn't even get into the other two groups of men found. It was only 20 minutes. Huh? No, I'm just <laughs> Read fast. No, it did take me a while. Fuck, man. Every time that I was like, oh, it's this person. You're like, but then there's this other serial killer, right? Yeah. But then then there was these other, like, murders. And they weren't even, like, suspects for no reason. They're suspects because they for sure killed people. (laughs) Like, what the fuck was that story? I'm going to Google that. Did you have anything else to say? Um, Don't go to Indiana. Yeah, fuck Indiana, for real. (laughs) I'm just kidding. (laughs) Don't um, time travel to Indiana in the 80s if you're a gay man. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> yeah. Don't do that. S- sorry if you hear all the sirens outside. Yeah. Appropriate timing. There's a lot. Okay. Yeah. Sorry about that. I mean, it worked. Like, they're on the way to get you, Herb, and all the <laughs> other dudes in Indiana. It's a long True. drive, but they're coming for you. Yeah. That was uh, a lot to process. I will be processing more when I edit and Googling everything about this. <laughs> <laughs> don't get Indiana, though. I mean, just at least back then, don't time travel. That's a whole nother thing. <laughs> <laughs> but thank you all for listening. If you want to email us, you can at thespookyshit.pod at gmail.com. Our Twitter and Instagram are spookyshit underscore pod, and our website is spookyshit-pod.com. Thank you all for listening, as always. We will be back again next week with some spooky shit. Uh, yeah, I had to do it to him. Okay, bye. Bye. <laughs> bye, Brayden. Bye, <laughs> 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 <laughs>